Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, here we go. Thursday home for Cofield and Company is Silver Sevens, the home of 77-cent beers during our biggest sporting events in town during the NFL season and during all VGK games, 77-cent Bud, Bud Light, and Mick Ultra. Three hours on the way. Lots of good guest spots. We'll actually get you ready for NASCAR weekend in less than 15 is one of our buddies who does radio for SiriusXM. The NASCAR channel is on the way. Adam Candy is in today as the company uh, has been officiating a lot lately, so we definitely have some officiating topics that we'll get to. That's always a hot topic here on the air. But, Candy, have you looked at the schedule that's coming up this weekend around Las Vegas? These are the weekends we dream of, but... I'll also point out there's some cautionary tales in this schedule. You see how busy it is coming up the next four days? It's kind of insane when you look at what conference tournament season has become in Vegas in the first place, and then you go and look at everything that has been added to that on top of it, beginning with NASCAR, which we know, right? It's been the same for years that when nascar weekend comes around it is avoid the track avoid the airport avoid the roads in general uh but this is going to be extra special when it comes to everything going on and i was just looking at our list on the schedule and i was like oops i forgot something um so right now pac-12 women's basketball tournament is going on the men come in at the beginning of the week uh the women are at the mua make ultra arena uh, Mountain West women's start up in just a couple days at the thomas and mac west coast conference is already on the ground uh, getting ready for, well, they're in their tournament, and that thing ends pretty early with, in all likelihood, Gonzaga and St. Mary's playing for the title. But we'll see. There's, it's a pretty deep conference, and there could be an upset. Although I did see, and you tell me if this is common, I did see the sports betting oddity of the West Coast Conference pre-conference odds had St. Mary's favor to win it at minus 125 and Gonzaga backing them up as the second choice at minus 115. yeah exactly right okay that seems a little weird does it not yeah it's 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 just a little bit odd and people have not come off their priors let's say on the idea that gonzaga is gonzaga and maybe they just haven't watched enough saint mary's this year well i was also talking about the price to have oh i know double double faves and then but you know coming off a Coming off of February, uh, you know, we've talked about this on the show and going around to certain states and looking at the handle, you know, um, or, you know, the handle and the win in the state of Nevada was what? Super Bowl was roughly like 153 million, something like that. I know it got corrected. And then the the take was like three and a half percent. Meanwhile, in the state of Pennsylvania, the win was like 35 percent. So if you offer double minuses on the favorites, uh, are people going to get shy or are they still going to bet it? Uh, they're absolutely still going to bet it because they know who's in town, right? You know who travels. You know who's here. You know, yep. you know who's traveling in for the West Coast Conference. And let me just tell you, I have absolutely nothing against the good people of Santa Clara, California, but it ain't the Santa Clara fans who are making this happen. Yeah. So you understand. NASCAR coming up. John Jones fight. UFC's at T-Mobile. That's uh, buttressed by a Friday and Sunday slate for the Golden Knights with what, the Devils and the Canadians. We got an MGM tennis event going down with like three of the top men in the world playing in that one. And then the cautionary tale of coming to Vegas, and this is, you know, we're talking about Vegas's professional sports future. You got to make sure your sport is going to be able to carve out a big enough niche against competition. 
XFL on Saturday at home against the Sea Dragons. That's a battle. Not the game to get a crowd out there with all the other stuff going on. Uh, Cofield, I forgot, quite honestly. Like, and, and I'm not saying they would have drawn a great crowd even before all of this, but I, it's not even so much that it's the XFL. It's to say, like, we're all so fatigued from all of these secondary football leagues. We've seen them for so long. Hey, come on, y'all. The posse. Were you here for the posse? I was here for the posse. I've been here for all of them. Yeah. Seen all of it. Gladiators. I was a beat writer. Come on, man. Seen them all. And so what are you going to do to make it different? What are you going to do to stand out? You talk about carving out a following. How do you develop that loyalty? Right? There aren't that many places that can do it. There aren't that many teams that can do it. You know, another set of teams that's kind of caught in those cautionary tales about competing against other sports, trying to get people out, UNLV football, and especially UNLV basketball. And the Runner Rebels last night, it was a late start for the TV slot. After watching it, 91-66 final, you almost hope, well, it wasn't on TV, but they do a lot of this for the TV exposure, which I back. But what that means is you better win if you're going to get people to come out at 8 o'clock at night in Las Vegas. It sounds crazy, but you've got to win. And, man, last night felt the, the mood after the game, Candy. I mean, I don't even think you can imagine if you were – not at the arena, that was crazy, especially based on the way the game ended. So keep in mind, everyone, that this was a four-point game just before the 16-minute timeout, 49-45. And I'll back that up by reminding everyone, my first season watching UNLV basketball was first season I moved to town, 1989-90, right? Like, I walked into the absolute height of it. I've watched a lot of UNLV basketball over the years, and Steve, that last 16 minutes that I saw last night has to be up there in the top three worst halves of basketball I've ever seen UNLV play. And it was at both ends of the floor, especially at the defensive end of the floor. For a team that has been, when it's good, having its calling card listed on defense, the defense just gave up on multiple possessions. I, I don't use that lightly. But there were so many times that Utah State ended up completely by itself going to the basket. Guys got beaten on the perimeter. No help defense. Cuts where absolutely no one picked up the cutter. And then at the offensive end of the floor, it was basically pickup. It was basically roll the ball out. Someone grab the ball. Go up and take a couple shots and see if you can make them. Nobody's there rebounding. It just was... It reached the point where it felt like it was out of control for the players, it was out of control for the coaching staff, and it was just a really, really poor representation. Justin Webster, one of the seniors, came into the press conference and got right into it, didn't even need to be prompted. We present ourselves tonight. Um, that's not basketball. That's not, you know, be basketball. And so, um, you know, it starts with us as leaders of the team, and we'll take that, we'll take that burden. So we apologize for that. We didn't compete. That was the main thing that uh, Coach Kruger was talking about. We didn't come out and compete, and uh, it showed. So, um, you know, I've never really been part of a game where we all just never came in here and competed. So um, as far as effort and execution-wise, we didn't do any of those things. And so that's why I believe it's, for me, one of the best – I mean, one of the worst games I've ever been a part of. So one of the worst games I've ever been a part of. And saying that really doesn't do a hill of beans to reverse the result, which was a 91-66 loss. But what it does is it gives me a little bit – of hope and should give some of the fans some hope that they'll be able to shed this quickly and try to play some good basketball 
these last couple games of the season. At least there's some accountability because as I was watching the end of the game, I'm like, man, this could go back to some of the teams that uh, UNLV had in the past where things were not going well at the end of the season, and there were, like, fights in the locker room. Um, you know, there was a reported brawl beatdown between BDJ, rest in peace, and Jalon Kendrick. Something happened after the game because, listen, Candy, you, you played enough sports. It's, you know, basketball, you lose a game like that, and maybe you're one of the three guys on the floor who's busting their humps, and then you look out there and there's, you know, dunks and freaking give and goes and pick and rolls, and you're like, what the hell is going on? If you're an alpha and you're prone to be a guy who will, you know, throw some hands, get a little pushy, you could go into the locker room and start throwing on people. Um, I don't think that happened. Um, I like that they came out. And I actually said at the Kruger, I was like, I, I thought that was really important for guys to come in and show accountability and show some leadership and go, that's on me. That's on us. For you, what does it say about Webster and McCabe that they came in here, took the blame, they're really angry, they sounded like they wanted to lead. I mean, that's, that's a big deal after a game like this. It is because, uh, you know, it, it, nothing's going to get solved tomorrow by burying the game film or, you know, pretending it didn't happen. You know, we, we've got things we've got to talk about. And again, this is a group that we, we've talked, you know, over the last week or so or last two weeks even. That do, this is still a group that we're, we want to focus on getting better every day and put, our, put ourselves in a position to win whatever games we've got left. Fridays and Saturdays, $500 hourly free play drawings from 8 p.m. to 12 a.m. All February long at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Big race weekend here in... Las Vegas. Pete Pistone covers the sport like no one else. He's up with Cofield and Candy here in Sin City. Pete, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, Steve. Guys, good to be with you. Looking forward it's, to a big uh, week, well, weekend of racing out there. First of uh, two trips to Vegas this year for NASCAR. It's pretty crazy, right? The progress of getting a second race just a few years ago, and then I was kind of shocked when I saw this is the 26th time in Vegas. Time has flown. Uh, it's been a pretty good success. It has, and you know, the last few years, especially, Steve, that racetrack has turned into one of the places that drivers have told us pretty much all week uh, on SiriusXM that they love to, to race at. We all know everyone loves to go to Vegas, but that track being worn out now, the asphalt is a little bit uh, slick, and the drivers like that because it gives them an opportunity to have two or three different lanes. You won't see them all in single file, so... I'm looking forward to it. It's been a pretty good year so far. Two races in the books, and I think race number three is going to be a good one Sunday. So this is interesting. There's three races this weekend. So we've got a full weekend of racing with the Pennzoil 400 as the the finale. Um, you tell me about attendance around NASCAR and, and how it's doing, because what's happening here in Vegas is almost every big event that comes to town is also countered that weekend by another big event. Like We've got five different uh, college basketball conference tournaments uh, starting or coming here at the same time as NASCAR. We've got XFL on the ground, which is really having to fight a battle. We've got a tennis event here. We've got John Jones returning after three years to fight in the UFC. We've got two Vegas Golden Knights games. Like, it is crazy. How is NASCAR doing in 2023 with attendance? So far, it's been good, but you bring up a really good point because the more NASCAR wants to be in these bigger markets in Vegas and Los Angeles last week, I'm here in Chicago. They're going to have a street circuit race this summer, Dallas, Fort Worth, Atlanta next week. 
you know, Phoenix next week with spring training, there's always stuff going on, and trying to break through that clutter has been pretty difficult. Now, we had a race at the L.A. Coliseum a couple of weeks ago. They built a racetrack inside the Coliseum the week before the Super Bowl exhibition race. You got about 50,000, 60,000 people, you know, which uh, I don't okay. think is so bad considering yeah. everything's going on. Daytona 500 was sold out, but you need to sell out the Daytona 500, right? That's yep. your biggest race, and they had a sellout there. Last week in Fontana, California, the last race at that track, they sold every ticket they had, which is about fifty or 60,000 people. I'm hearing that Sunday the advanced ticket sales for the race there in Vegas are pretty strong. I don't know if nice. it would be a sellout or not, but considering everything you just said that's happening out there, I think that's a good sign that NASCAR is on an upswing right now with attendance. We are completely jacked about F1 coming here, and it looks like it may oh, yeah. be a really long commitment. I mean, you gotta you got to see the plans, Pete, and what's going on with the roads and all the building and the investment that F1 made. That's a good thing for NASCAR, right? I, I'm of the ilk that when all motorsports are, are prospering and, and they're doing well, it helps motorsports across the board. The, you know, that race out there, as you mentioned, just insane what I'm seeing. It's going to be so cool. I mean, some of the things that they're doing out there. NASCAR season's over, you know, then, so there's not any head-to-head. But, you know, it's an F1, we all know, is on an upswing right now. The race in Miami that they had last year, same thing. Uh, the race at the Circuit of Americas down in Austin, Texas. I think when all motorsports is, you know, kind of on the upswing and on the radar, I think it helps all of racing. And I do think that there are some people that maybe have discovered that Formula One and NASCAR and IndyCar and all that, uh, it all goes together. So I think it's good that Formula One's strive, uh, uh, surviving and thriving the way it is right now. And I would assume the other cool thing that has been going on for a long time with NASCAR is to make sure that athletes and teams from other sports embrace racing. And I saw that uh, Bryce Harper is going to be the Grand Marshal. Bryce Harper's the Grand Marshal. And, you know, you think about it, the guy that won the Daytona 500, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Brad Doherty, former NBA player, owns that team. You know, Michael Jordan obviously owns a team that Bubba Wallace drives for. Uh, we've had all sorts of football players show, show up. Uh, Travis Kelsey last year when we were in Kansas was there from the Chiefs, so that is good. It's it's the whole you know kind of cross-promotion that's happening here. Again, this race that's happening in Chicago, they're tying into the Cubs and the Sox and the Bulls and the Bears like they should because I think that NASCAR knows that you know getting involved with the mainstream sports is a good way to try to attract some new fans. Do you know all these celebrities who are going to be there? Let's see. Mark Wahlberg, Tim Allen, Marcus Allen, Cole Hauser, Derek Carr, Kim Kardashian. Whoa. Kim Kardashian, Rascal Flatts, Brett Mossberger, <laughs> and Dana White. Are you are you familiar with everyone on that list? Pretty much. I mean, that's pretty good. You know, at Daytona, uh, we had Tiffany Haddish oh. there, and she liked it so much as the Grand Marshal. She went to the race on her own last week yeah. in Los Angeles. So, you know, that's cool. And I think most of us, you know, Tim Allen's a big you know, gearhead. So I think that's great when you get those folks to show up and then maybe they go out there and you see them at another race or they tell their fans about racing and then you kind of spread the word that way. Getting ready for the big NASCAR weekend. Pete Pistoni, expert from Sirius XM, is with us. Three days of racing, finishes up on Sunday with the Pennzoil 400. Can I tell you the biggest name? And I kind of blanked on what the name was for a second, but I looked it up. Um, the biggest name on that list of all those people is probably the one people who go most crazy over. Is Cole Hauser? Do you know who Cole Hauser is? Yeah, Cole Hauser uh, is he on? He's on Yellowstone, right? He, is he from Yellowstone. He, yeah. he is Rip on Yellowstone, and let me tell you, I've seen some videos and, and photos and events from you know different events around the country, maybe sports, maybe not sports. The folks from Yellowstone are like friggin' superstars, and he's kind of the, he's one of the lead characters on the show. You know, badass. You know, ranch hand, the boss. 
NASCAR fans are going to go crazy over that guy being there. That's great. And I can tell you right now how many selfies of drivers are going to be taken with him if he's yeah. walking up and down the road. I promise you that. You follow football. You know, you and I did Sports Talk uh, you know, more than a few years ago on SiriusXM. Um, should Raiders fans boo Derek Carr? You know, I go back and forth on that. You know, I, I don't think so. Um, but on the other hand, you know, I can put myself when I've got my, my you know, Cub hat on or my Bears jersey on. A guy that was on my team that is now with the enemy, I guess it's like open game to, to boo them. You know, I, I don't know. I go back and forth on that. I mean, what did Derek Carr do wrong, right? I mean, he played best football he could out there. You know, my buddy Jason, you know Jason Horowitz now. He's the play-by-play guy on the radio out there. Talking to Jason the other day about it, he said Derek Carr's done everything that he's been asked for out there. So I don't know if he comes back in if he deserves to be booed or not. Well, I think most Raiders fans, and there's a lot of Derek Carr stands, like fight to the death for Derek Carr, are very yeah. cool with them. There's some others who might be like, well, you know, you could have helped us by agreeing to a trade and getting some pick or two. But I think he's going to get a, a very good reaction. Um, in your neck of the woods in Chicago, are you on the, hey, let's keep Justin Fields or let's spin him off and try to max out this draft and uh, get a new quarterback? No, I, I'm on the keep Justin Fields plan. And I think in year one with Justin Fields, the worst thing that could have happened to Justin Fields was Matt Nagy being being the head coach, quite frankly. Uh, I think it set him back. The offense that he was trying to run and the parts and pieces around him, I think, hindered his growth. And this past year, I think you saw more. Now, again, I don't know if you want him running you know, for 1,000 yards every season, but I think you saw more this year of what he could do with his talent if he's in the right you know, scheme, and I think he was. So it sounds like for sure they're going to spin that draft pick and go down for the number one pick and, and get some other assets. But I am not on the plan of trading uh, Justin Fields and, and using the number one pick for a new quarterback. I think they've got one now. I think he can be a franchise quarterback for the Bears, which, trust me, I know firsthand we have not had for a very long time. Are you mad they're going from Soldier Field out to Arlington Heights? That's what it looks like, right? Yeah. You know what? And here's what. It's all about me, right? I'm not because the Arlington Heights <laughs> uh, facility is like 20 minutes from where I am because I'm in right. the suburbs out here. Listen, Soldier Field is great, and the you know you guys when you see a Bears game, the backdrop of the city and the lake and all of that. But I'm telling you guys, it's just it's 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 you can't get there. It's antiquated. The facility's bad. I don't care what they poured into that; they would not be able to make that a more modern facility any more than it already is. So I think the Bears are going to do it. I think it's a really nice location. It's a lot of land. If they can turn it into what I think they're turning it into, where they want to. It'll be great. And, you know, who knows? We could have Final Fours here in Chicago. We could have a Super Bowl. You know, the Big Ten's located here. I can see a Big Ten football championship game there. I think it's going to happen. I'll tell you this, though, Steve. If they put a shovel in the ground tomorrow, it's not going to happen for four or five years. But I do think they're going to leave Soldier Field here in the next few years. Three days of racing on the way. Uh, Pennzoil 400 is the final big race on Sunday at the Speedway right here in Las Vegas. Kids uh, 12 and under get in free on Friday and Saturday with a ticketed uh, adult. It's just 10 bucks with a ticketed adult for kids to get in for the Pennzoil 400. Tickets at LVMS.com, 800-644-4444. So Kyle Busch is the favorite in the race. He has been bet down a little bit from 650 to 6 to 1. Why is he the favorite? Uh, well, he won last week, and uh, he's with a new team now. He's with Richard Childress Racing, and with his own, you know, he's with Joe Gibbs forever, and uh, they couldn't come to a contract agreement. He left. I would say Steve, that's probably one of the highest free agent moves we've had in NASCAR, probably since Dale Earnhardt Jr., when he was driving, went from the team that his dad owned 
uh, and left for him to Hendrick Motorsports. And then only a second race for Richard Childress. He won last week in Fontana. Uh, this is his home track. He's a Vegas guy, and I'm not surprised that he is the favorite. I would say right in the team photo, though, has got to be the guy that won there last year in the playoffs, Joey Logano. Uh, we had him on our show on Tuesday. Uh, he is sponsored by Pennzoil, his race car, so he's got a little extra juju to try to win the race for his uh, sponsor, considering that's the Pennzoil 400. And I think those are the two guys. But I really think, you know, last year we had 19 different winners. 36 races, 19 different winners. That's a record for NASCAR. So well, right now we're two for two. We've got two races, two different winners. Uh, Kyle Busch should be the favorite, but I'm not 100% sold that he'll be the guy in victory lane Sunday. I think it'll be a little more wide open than that. Pete Pistone's with us. I saw one write-up saying uh, they were a little surprised at Chase Elliott. wasn't a top-five choice. He's the seventh choice now at plus 850. Uh, why would that be a surprise that he wasn't in the top-five uh, pre-race? He's kind of off to, again, I'd say the sample size is two races, right, the Daytona 500 and then last week in Fontana. A little bit of a slow start. Now, last week, though, he started way back. We didn't have qualifying. It's snow last week in Los Angeles, which is crazy. <laughs> so we didn't qualify on Saturday. They lined up the cars based on kind of what you did at Daytona. So Chase started almost last, and he finished second. You know, So that, that was pretty good. But I think it's, it's sort of how he ended last year. He kind of on a down note a little bit. We got to win the championship a couple years ago. Uh, and a little bit of a slow start now, so I'm not surprised. But I would not also be surprised to see Chase, as the year goes on, get a little bit better and be back in that favorite uh, category there in terms of odds. Pete Pistone's with us. Last couple, a couple of gambling hits. Uh, you mentioned how the track has changed over the years. You can bet total cautions over under 8.5. I'm going to go over. Um, now, here's a little tip. There's two for sure because they have stage breaks. So out of that eight and a half, you already got two. So you really only need six and a half, you know, however you're going to bet this thing. I would go over, and here's why. Last year in the fall race, there were a lot of, as I mentioned, it's a, the drivers like the track but because they slip and slide. There's some contact, and, and there's some cautions that, that can come out of that. From my understanding is you're going to have a little sunshine there, be a, a decent day. I think that track's going to be even slicker because of it. And Goodyear has a different tire, so it's a new tire for these teams. So usually that's a combination where you might see some spin-outs, you might see some, some incidents. I would take the over on the caution flags on that one. Pete, I know a ton of people in Vegas uh, know you, they listen to you, but for folks uh, who don't, where can they find your stuff? We're on uh, Sirius XM NASCAR Radio, Channel 90, so you can uh, hear us there every uh, Monday through Friday, 7 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And um, if you, you have, want to listen to a little college basketball over on uh, Big Ten Radio, Channel 372, or right smack dab in the middle of tournament time there. So lots going on here. It's March Madness, as you guys know. Racing and basketball, love every minute of it. I'm going to throw this one at you to close on Big Ten basketball. Um, mm -hmm. I don't like Purdue to make a run because I'm not a fan of bigs, although you know Big Zach is awesome. Am I crazy if I think the most offensive-minded team in the conference, Iowa, can make a run? I think when Fran McCaffrey stared down that referee <laughs> the weekend, that was the turning point uh, for the Hawkeye. And what they did in that game, to your point, I mean, the, the barrage of three-pointers that come back and, and send that game to Michigan State into overtime, I'm with you. There's a scenario after Sunday where it could be Purdue and seven teams tied for second you know, in the Big Ten. That's kind of how it's been this year. And I, I tend to agree with you. I think Purdue's been fun to watch. They've lost you know, four out of the last six or something like that. The you figure out if you double Zach Eady, those other guys have to step up. They haven't done it. So I like Iowa. I also like Indiana. I think Indiana, what Mike Woodson's doing there at this time, they could be a little deeper run than maybe some people give them credit for. We'll find out. we got the Big Ten tournament here in Chicago next week, and we'll see how many teams make the tournament on Selection Sunday. Pete, you're awesome. Thank you so much for the time. Good to talk to you, pal.
There he is, Pete Pistoni, longtime radio voice on Sirius XM. 777 gets you two hot dogs, two bags of chips, and a 22-ounce Bud, Bud Light, or Michelob Ultra Draft on Golden Knights game days at the Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7's with Cofield and Company. So the A-Rod's watch for Raiders fans may be off. You know, we never got into, on Cofield and Company, the retreat, the darkness retreat, Candy, and apparently A-Rod's didn't make it all the way through. Could you? Could you just sit in the dark by yourself for days on end? Okay, but did you see the photos of what one of these little caves looks like? No, tell me about it. Okay, it is not exactly slumming it. In these caves, right? Mm. It looked quite nice. There, there was a lovely, a lovely mat and some candles laid out. Candles? I, I, think he, oh, there were, I oh, thought it was completely yeah. dark. Well, I think you have the option okay. uh, to light a candle if you, uh, if you know what I mean. Is there a, as my father would say, a toilet? Is there a toilet, or do you have to uh, go in a bucket and just like hand it out a window? Uh, I think you go in a bucket and then someone just walks by very quickly and changes you out for a new bucket, right? Isn't that the isn't that the standard for a darkness retreat? Well, I mean, if we're going to do it, if we're going to make it prison-like, then yeah, some of the worst prisons in the world, and of course old school, you would have had a bucket. I'm assuming that, so I was joking. There is a there is a toilet, like a fully functioning bathroom area in this tiny thing. Yes, there's a bathroom. I hate to do this to the audience because we go down this path too often, but Aaron Rodgers is the one who started it. Um, he got into the quality of his pooping. Now, I and sent the story. I, well, he very much did. I sent this over with the, the, the header of, I'm with you, a, uh, Aaron Rodgers. When you're approaching 40 or beyond, um, you're defecating. I'll call it a schedule, is on the mind of many when you get to that age. Am I wrong? Is this a personal issue, me and Aaron Rodgers? On the mind of many. I, I like the, the way you term that, Steve. Um, do you have a schedule that like you could post on the wall? That basically like, yep, you know what it's going to be for me? 8 a.m., 8 p.m., I'm good every day. This is when I poop. Sometimes. And that's the problem. No, but that, that, that's not the answer. The answer can't be sometimes of is there do a schedule I, you can do. do I have a, do I have a rough schedule? Yes. I know generally when I can go. And then what happens is when you cover sports and the schedule kind of shifts and you have to – so, like, my time would be around 9.30 in the morning. But then if, you know, you have football practice going on, you got travel, all of a sudden you have to leave – you know, you leave the house at 8.15. You're like, oh, boy. what's? I'll just give you a good example yesterday. I think I left the house at 8.30. I didn't get back until 11. It was on my mind much of the day. It's not a good feeling. I'm going to tell you right now, if if you people ever invite me out for a coffee, I'm not going to be drinking coffee. I'm telling you that right now because my schedule is tied to my coffee, and if I have coffee (laughs) out of doors, that means that the next thing I have to figure out is am I in a place that is going to be able to handle the fact that I just had coffee out yeah, of doors? And I am not it. willing to do that. 
I knew I'm it. absolutely not willing to do that. Yep. Isn't that crazy that your schedule has to be built around when yourself and guys like Aaron Rodgers have to take yes. care of business? And, and believe yes. me, we yes. I don't know about other couples, but, but the SO and I will have conversations like, hey, did you go? Uh, okay, I'll say this. She says it to me more often than I say it to her because uh, I'm a nightmare. So, Well, if... If you are in a relationship with a significant other and you have not invested multiple hundreds of dollars in poopery, you basically are asking for your relationship to end. <laughs> there, that, that is an absolute marriage saver. Yeah. Spritz, spritz, spritz. I love you, honey. Well, I mean, your goal to, to when you arrive in the first world where you, can, you have a little bit of budget, your, your goal really is to have your own bathroom. To have your your spot where you go, um, my spot where I go, uh, I installed a fan five years ago. Like wait, like a ceiling fan? No, like a rotating fan on the wall, three speed fan to, that will oscillate. And, and is the idea that you can use that as a weapon if you need to? Like, do you just do you point <laughs> no. it outward? It uh, it could it can cut down on uh, bad sense, and also, um, I enjoy my time in there. So sometimes it, it might get a little bit warm. So I want to be, I want to be, uh, I want a temperature controlled. It might get a little bit warm. Yeah. I, 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 I hate to use this word given the situation. Steamy? Um, I mean, it's, it's 110 degrees, you know, 115 during the summer here in Vegas. And, uh-huh. you know, some two-story houses that were a little older, maybe they don't cool, they don't chill uh-huh. upstairs as much as they should. So, yeah. I right out of the gates. I'm like, I don't like the temperature in here. I'm I'm going next level. It wasn't an expensive fan, but I got it done. So anyway, Aaron oh, Rodgers said oh, he had a really quality good quality of the fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah, got it. Yeah. That's what we're up to. Yeah. Did I put a good enough fan in my crapper? Yes, yes, yes. Mm. Believe me, if it was real first world, I'd go back to the '80s when uh, people were making so much money on Wall Street. They put phones. Well, luckily we have a cell on phone on the wall. Now. Yeah, on the wall. That was but I would, that does. I would never call. Favorite. I would never talk on the phone or call someone when I was doing my business. That would that would never oh, you, happen. You have not listened. Sign up for an A-Play card and receive a guaranteed $10 in free play with a chance to win up to $150 in free play at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7s. of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor Xavier Pope is live on Cofield and Company. All right, let's do it. Every Thursday, we bring in Xavier Pope out of Chicago. Xavier, what's up, buddy? What's up, Steve? Uh, you know, I was just reading more of the story on John Morant and some incident that apparently went down at his house. And there's been multiple incidents and allegations involving John Morant. We're talking about a guy who's a developing superstar a face of the league probably due to make you know hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars and then you you read these allegations of like playing basketball at his house and he's punching a 17 year old and allegedly flashing a gun at him what do you make of the story how does stuff like this happen well it happens when you just allow people that you don't know over your place maybe i mean i don't even know who this kid was 17 year old kid i mean it's not out of the out of the realm that you're going to have people over the house playing basketball. But if you're going to get into a situation where you're pulling out a gun, that's definitely taking it to the extreme. Now, John Morant did file a, file a police report saying that the kid said he would come back with uh, light up on his place like fireworks. And so 
Um, so there are returning allegations from both sides. But still, John Morant, you're an adult. This is your home. It's a 17-year-old who's a minor. So people are going to look at you as the person that should be more responsible in that situation. Yeah, and I wonder if there's someone on the Grizz who can step up, and I'm sure they've tried, but I wonder on that roster, which is a pretty young roster, if someone can step up and kind of talk a little sense into them. Like you said at the beginning of it, don't allow people over that you don't know and certainly do not retaliate by flashing a gun in your own home. Yeah, I mean, people have uh, people who, are, who defend the Second Amendment see, will have a different say <laughs> about that, about being able to have a gun at your own home and, and and if you're not safe, being able to pull it out to make sure you get people away from your home. Nah. Um, but on the flip side, that Grizzlies team, can you name the veteran on that team? That's the glue to holding that team together and saying he's going to pull guys together and say, hey, don't do this or don't do that. I don't see that for that particular team. So it's a young team. You've seen, you know, they're both their stars. Dylan Brooks getting into his altercation with Shannon Sharp on the sideline and saying things and different things in interviews. And so this team and hasn't done much. I mean, they've, they've advanced to the playoff a couple of times. They've, 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 they've made a little bit of noise, but they haven't won a championship. Um, they haven't had sustained success over a long period of time. And so this is the wrong time of, time, type of attention that this team shouldn't be having over the course of several times in the NBA season. Xavier Pope is on the horn on Cofield and company. Uh, we both love the NBA. Candy loves the NBA as well. Um, and I like banging on the, the old heads who love the 80s and 90s players, but why did a website put a little mashup of uh, turnaround jumper saying basically that Draymond Green equals Michael Jordan? Really? Yeah, this action, uh, action Network. It's a, it's a sports betting site. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Uh, you, you know those guys well. I mean, we know them too, but I forgot. That's right. Then we, we had one of the Action Network representatives on the uh, panel out here. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, I, I know those guys, and <laughs> I don't care if I know them. Uh, I'm an equal opportunity. Anyone can get it. Steve, if you're wrong, you can get it too. Oh, yeah. But I've gotten guys, it. <laughs> but <laughs> these guys posted, like, these even look remotely close. Turn around, jump shots with Draymond Green, call it Michael Jordan. And it's not Michael Mondays. It has nothing to do with any point in time at all. This is just a random tweet that someone wasted their time on their lunch break putting together to put on the Internet. It was ridiculous. I will say I'm very proud of uh, Dr. Dre, as we call him, the expert in kinesiology, uh, Draymond Green, that he actually didn't throw hands when Shaden Sharp came his way. That dunk by that kid right on top of Draymond Green, oh, Lordy. Uh, He put him on a poster. On the way he came, the way he – put it back where he took from and then where he decided to unleash the force of that dunk on Draymond Green. Uh, Draymond Green a little longer than the two. He's definitely going to catch a few more of those some of the, the new generation of NBA players. Cofield and Company, Xavier Pope is up with us here on a Thursday. One last thing on the NBA. I, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday, hearing about the uh, injuries lately to uh, Juan Lonzo Ball, now out for about a year and a half. He shut down for the season. Mello catches a bad break. He's got a fractured ankle. And, you know, I thought to myself, thank God they had LeVar Ball. And I'm not saying those kids wouldn't have made a lot of money without their dad, but the hype machine that was the Ball family I think did help them in where they were selected and eventually some of the big contracts they got because if if either one of them or both have their careers cut short, they are pretty much set for life in terms of money, and a lot of that was the hype that their dad provided early on. Yeah, but, you know, Mello Ball – 
was actually a talented player. And Lonzo Ball was a really uh, integral part of that Chicago Bulls team um, when they they started when they were at the, the top of the Eastern Conference before he got hurt, and they asked to tumble down the conference after he got hurt. Uh, Lamelo Ball was was looking like all every bit of the hype that he was built when he came into the NBA. So these guys weren't these slouches. I mean, it, I mean, it, it kind of what happened to Lonzo Ball and his treatment is is something that could be discussed in the entire segment. But when it comes to Lamelo, I've never seen anyone cross over a defender. And they're the one to get their ankles broken. Uh, you, you see that referred to you break an defender's ankles, but not your own. So that was just like a really strange circumstances. Um, but they do have a, a great dad that's going to continue to to promote them. But you don't see him talked about as much in relation to them as as when they were younger players. Xavier, a lot of spotlight on the Ball brothers from a young age, and now with the NFL Combine going on in Indianapolis, a lot of the spotlight on another young player in Jalen Carter. And what's gone on with him with the charges that came out of the driving incident, the racing incident that that happened, I, I honestly am not entirely sure what to make of this entire situation and, and what the severity could be for him and what really – they're trying to suggest his level uh, of involvement is. What are you seeing with Jalen Carter? Well, when it comes down to situations like that, when, you, when, you're, when everything is under dispute, there still is uh, a league that there are plenty of guys that are talented uh, in their position. So I, I think that if you have any, any inkling coming into a league that you could be involved with something, it could really severely impact your career. Um, and so um, I, I think that details are sketchy at best, um, but teams have to be able to make quick decisions about what to do with players. And that's, that's the era we're living in right now. It's even if you're if, if suspected of being close to something that's illegal, um, it really could still hamper your ability to be able to get to the, the draft spot that you want. Even if you're cleared, even if your name is clear, even if nothing is wrong, you still have something like that will follow you and potentially impact your draft position. No, without question. We watched it happen uh, with Laramie Tunsil and the gas mask bong years exactly. ago, and obviously he's gone on to become, you know, he's gone on to become a great player, but his uh, stock dropped in the draft, and we talk all the time about what you just said, how hard it is to get into the league and the ways that guys can be nitpicked. And I wanted to bring up a story that I saw about Willie McGinnis and talk about what it's like for guys after the league as well, because we know that they're trained to destroy everything in their path. It's how they spend all of their lives coming up and through the NFL. The story about Willie McGinnis getting into a fight at a restaurant certainly looks like, man, this is a tough look for for him. I mean, he's not been back on TV since. Uh, And he was pulled right away. He, He apologized for what he did. Instead, it was a misunderstanding. But uh, when it comes to social media and videos, if your video shows that you are, unless you're Dana White, uh, any, in any way uh, hitting someone, then you're going to be in a really bad position. I mean, and it, it looked really bad. Um, he, he hopes that he stays free. He got a couple of charges against them uh, in, in terms of the salt charge that he's facing. But after you're playing, there's so many guys. You saw you know, Michael Irvin has, you know, he, what happened with him. There is even more pressure on them because there are so many people can be put in that slot, former player to take their job. So 
um, it is more pressure even when you're retired to make sure you're good because for a lot of guys, that's their bread and butter to be able to get on TV, still talk about sports, and have jobs. And anything related to your, your spotlight also can flow from that and stop your dollars making money after you leave the, the field of the court as well. we got to hit this story before we get out of here, Xavier. Uh, you know, you're in Chicago. But this one caught your eye in Vegas. Weird one with the NFL trying to come down on a local law firm, Demopolis, because they featured Max Crosby, amongst other athletes, in the commercial. And he's got a lot of silver and black on. It even looks like a Raiders helmet, but you never see any logos. And the NFL bullies everyone, so they came at this law firm. And what the law firm do in response? Well, in response to the cease and desist letter, they sued the National Football League um, for declaring judgment, saying that um, what the NFL was claiming, essentially there was some sort of infringement, isn't fair. Now, this this doesn't mean any money that they could potentially win, but if you're a law firm, you put out a commercial, and then you sue the National Football League comes at you, you come back at them, more publicity for your firm. Of course that's what lawyers are supposed to do. Uh, And so this makes it a successful commercial for them, which looks darn good in terms of the production value, looking as close as you possibly could to possibly see the top of the helmet, the jersey. It was a really yep. slickly done commercial, and they get more publicity. Uh, they should thank the NFL. Maybe send them a check for new clients to get sent their way. Yeah, I thought the Golden Knights jersey or Golden Knights light jersey they had, and it was actually more more crossing the line, and I haven't seen anything from VGK if they've uh, you know filed a complaint on this one. Um, so very interesting, very interesting. Anytime anyone pushes back on the NFL – I'm down with it, right? The bully on the block wants to come in. Uh, unless it's Dan Snyder, then then that's annoying. Um, let's close on this one. You're a uh, you're, you're quite the chef. You cook pasta. What's the pasta you cook? Is it a Banza stuff? A Banza, that's great. Uh, yeah. Great chicken pasta, yeah. What the hell's going on here? I saw Food Network said, don't put olive oil in your pasta water. What? I, I, I was blown away by it, but it makes sense. It, it talked about the oil making the pasta slip off the uh, – the, the pasta sauce slip off the pasta – and it actually doesn't make uh, the noodles not thick. And then also talk about putting more salt in the water. I'm trying this stuff immediately because I want to be able to make sure that my doesn't, – doesn't it suck when you're trying to – you think you make some great pasta and a sauce that slips off the pasta? I want it to stick to the pasta. So maybe I'm doing it wrong. We learn every day. We learn every day. I gape every day, but we learn every day too. Uh, Xavier, love you, buddy. Thanks for doing the spot. We'll love talk you to too, you next brother. week.